Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem. Prove means test, so she came to test and see if he actually was wise. With very great train, that means a lot of people came with her, probably a whole caravan, and camels that bore spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she spoke with him of all that was in her heart. That means that she asked him every question that she wanted to ask. She probably made a list of questions before she went on the trip and continued with that list, making it grow longer and longer until she got there. She had heard that Solomon was the wisest man on the planet, and she wanted to find out if this was true. And if it was true, she wanted an answer to every single question that she had about probably nature, life, and everything else. It kind of reminds me of the Bereans in the New Testament where they didn't just instantly believe what they heard, but they looked it up in scripture to make sure that it was true. And in her case, she didn't just believe everybody who told her that Solomon was wise. She went to investigate on her own to find out if it was true and to get the answers to all of life's questions. The reason she brought all the gold and spices was as a gift. When you go to see a king, you bring a gift. 2. And Solomon told her all her questions, meaning he answered all of her questions. And there was not anything hid from Solomon which he told her not. And that means that God did not hide any of the answers to her questions from Solomon. God made Solomon know the answer to every question so that he could tell her. Because remember, all wisdom and knowledge comes from God. We don't create it in ourselves. There's a lot of people who think they're smart. And before I became born again, I thought that I was smart. And then after I became born again, I realized that all the times that it looked like I was smart, it was just God telling me things. So if God is the one who tells us, then we're not smart. It's a gift. We're getting it from him. 3. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he built, she saw how smart he was and how beautiful his palace was. 4. And the food of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel. Even his servants were dressed regally and beautifully. His cupbearers also and their apparel and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. That means the steps that he walked on to go to the temple. Even the steps that he walked on were beautiful, and even his servants ate good food. There was no more spirit in her, meaning that she didn't have any pride left in her. She realized that he was the greatest man on earth because of God. 5. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. 6. Howbeit I believed not their words until I came and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me. Thou exceedest the fame that I heard. She says, Not only is it true what they told me about you, but they didn't even tell me the half about you. You're way greater than I had even been told. Now, isn't this true of Jesus and us? We've been told about Jesus, how loving and kind and gracious he is, and that he wants to forgive us and take us to heaven forever. But we really haven't been told the half of it. When we actually see him face to face, we'll realize we only had the tiniest inkling of who he is.
7. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants that stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. And that's true of us Christians who follow the Lord. We're very happy just to be by his side and hear his wisdom speaking into our hearts and into our minds. That alone gives us joy. Just being by his side is wonderful. And he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's always there. And if we would just realize that and appreciate it, our days will be delightful. 8. Blessed be the Lord thy God who delighted in thee. That means that God was pleased with Solomon. He delighted in him to set thee on his throne to be king for the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore made he thee king over them to do justice and righteousness. Now in this verse, the queen of Sheba is actually prophesying. She is speaking the truth about God. Whenever you speak the truth about God, you're prophesying. And she says, Blessed be God, because he set you on his throne. She's saying that the throne of Israel is the throne of God. Now, she doesn't mean literally that it's the same throne in heaven, but it's established by God, and that is very true. And she says that the people of Israel are God's people, and this is also very true. And that they will be established forever, and this is also very true, through Jesus Christ. So she's certainly prophesying. She came from Africa. Sheba is a place in Africa that today we would call Ethiopia. She was the queen of Ethiopia, and she was black. 9. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and spices in great abundance and precious stones. She gave him so many bags of spices that it wasn't weighed or counted. It was a lot. And precious stones, neither was there any such spice as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon, meaning her gift of spices to the king was the greatest gift of spices in all of history. So I'm sure there was every expensive spice you can think of. Cardamom, saffron, all the most expensive and precious spices. And she also gave him stones from Africa, jewels. 10. And the servants also of Huram and the servants of Solomon that brought gold from Ophir brought sandalwood and precious stones. It's just throwing in there that Solomon also got precious stones and sandalwood from Tyre as well and Ophir. Ophir had a lot of gold in it. 11. And the king made of the sandalwood paths for the house of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Walking on sandalwood paths. That must have been very comfortable to the feet and for the king's house, and harps and psalteries for the singers. He used the sandalwood to make instruments as well as pathways, and there were none such seen before in the land of Judah. Nobody had ever seen that until Solomon had it. 12. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all her desire. In Ethiopia, they believe that this included a child, that he actually got her pregnant and she had a son who was Solomon's son, but she took her child home or else she actually gave birth at home after she got back in Ethiopia. So they believe that he gave her all the wisdom she wanted, a lot of treasures from Israel, and a son. There's probably some truth in this because the Ethiopians are some of the earliest known Israelites in Africa, and they were some of the earliest known Christians after Christ ascended to heaven. In the New Testament, 
when Philip baptized the Ethiopian, that Ethiopian was already a Jew. That's why he was reading the book of Isaiah, was because he was a full-blown Jew. And then when he got baptized, he became a full-blown Christian Jew. And then he went back home and told all of his people. I believe that story in the New Testament of Philip baptizing the Ethiopian was the beginning of Christianity in Ethiopia because that Ethiopian would have went back home and spread the word. That adds up historically with the approximate time that the Ethiopians became Christians. Whatsoever she asked, beside that which she had brought unto the king, so she turned and went to her own land, she and her servants. So after all of her questions were answered, after she gave the king her gifts, and he gave her what she wanted, which the Ethiopians say in part was a child, then she went back to her land. According to Ethiopian legend, she also took a bunch of Solomon's servants back with her, which means that she took a band of Israelite men back with her. So with her son, along with the Israelite servants who came with her, whoever they married would be full-blown Israelites. Because remember, according to scripture in both the Old and the New Testament, if your father is an Israelite, you are an Israelite, no matter what your mother is. The mother's lineage makes no difference, only the father's. Every single child born to those servants and her own son would be a full-blown Israelite. Now that's why Ethiopia is full of black Israelites. 13. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. That's 666 talents of gold. Yes, 666. Interesting, isn't it? That's the only time in the Bible where you see the number 666 besides in the book of Revelation when it says that it's the number of the mark of the beast. The only reason I can figure this is because Solomon ultimately ended up worshiping the beast. In the beginning of his reign, he followed the Lord. But at the end of his reign, he was a full-blown, 100% pagan. And it's very sad. He ended life as a pagan. And that's worshiping Satan. It's just interesting that the gold he amassed added up to 666. A talent of gold is approximately 75 pounds. It says that he had 666 pounds a year of gold that he collected. So that was... 49,950 pounds of gold, which means basically 50,000 pounds of gold, more or less. Because the 75 pounds thing might not be a precise number, it's just an approximation. 14. Beside that which the traffickers and merchants brought, and all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. There was more gold in addition to the 50,000 that he was harvesting. This is pretty awesome because people still traded in his land in gold, which means more was amassed. 15. And King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold. 600 shekels of beaten gold went into one target. The targets are large shields. And it says 600 shekels of beaten gold went into one target. That equals about 240 pounds in one large shield. And these are shields to keep arrows from hitting you. Now, why would he make it of gold? Because gold is a soft metal. Because he was a man of peace. They weren't fighting wars. So these were more decorative than they were functional because he was a man of peace. 
16. 300 shields of beaten gold also. 300 shekels of gold went into one shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. A shield, I guess, is smaller. Half as much gold went into a shield. So they had targets and they had shields. One is bigger, one is smaller. The bigger one is for standing and just having it in front of you as a barrier. If you have a whole bunch of soldiers in a line, that they're just standing and they kind of get behind their target. And then the smaller one is when they're actually walking in battle and getting ready to fight people. So it's smaller so that they can carry it easier. 17. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. This throne is something I'd really like to see, but it was probably taken by the Babylonians who raided Jerusalem, and it could have been broken down or destroyed by the Babylonians at some point in their history. It would have been amazing to see this. 18. And there were six steps to the throne, with a footstool of gold, which were fastened to the throne, and arms on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions standing beside the arms. Solomon's throne had its own step that went up to it, and it was a chair that had two armrests. There was a carved lion beside each armrest, the left and the right, and then it also included steps that led up to it. This entire thing was made of ivory parts that were fastened together. There were six steps under the seat. So the whole throne was a really big sized thing. I bet it was at least six feet high. It would have to be. And then the entire thing was overlaid with gold that covered all of that ivory. 20. And all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. Silver was nothing accounted of it in the days of Solomon. 21. For the king had ships that went to Tarshish with the servants of Hurim. Once every three years came the ships of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. Solomon's kingdom was full of apes and peacocks, too. They were a very exotic, expensive animal that was fun to look at. And it says that he had so much gold that nobody paid any attention to silver. The throne didn't just have one lion on each side. It actually had six lions going down the steps to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 lions all together, six on the right and six on the left. 22. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And I firmly believe that to this very day, the most richest elite people in the world do not have a lifestyle like Solomon had. I think he was the richest man who ever lived. Because have you ever heard of anybody else whose temple was inlaid and overlaid with gold and whose throne was made of ivory and overlaid with gold? No. 23. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. He was better than the internet. If you wanted to know something, you went to Solomon, because God was telling Solomon everything that people needed to know. Solomon was the number one source. He was better than multiple volumes of encyclopedias. 24. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold, and raiment, armor, and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. They were all paying him to give them knowledge. Isn't this interesting? Because we've always been seeking knowledge since the time that Eve ate the fruit from the tree, and we're still seeking knowledge with the internet. It's been a human pursuit since the beginning of time.
and they actually paid for it. And so do we today. We still pay for knowledge. Everybody's going to college and getting degrees. Raiment is clothing, so they gave him clothing too. 25. And Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots, and 12,000 horsemen that he bestowed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. Some of those horses are kept with Solomon, and then other ones were kept in the store cities. And since he didn't fight wars, these horses are used for transporting his belongings and important people. 26. And he ruled over all the kings from the river, even unto the land of the Philistines, and to the border of Egypt. During Solomon's time was when Israel was the biggest geographically. Since then it has shrunk a lot. Israel today is not as big as it used to be. Which is so hilarious that people say that Israel is taking other people's land. It's exactly the opposite, because Israel has lost land to other people since Solomon's time. 27. And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, meaning like rocks. Silver was in such abundance, it was like just common rocks. And cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the lowland for abundance. He had so many cedars, and cedar is the most precious wood, but he had so much cedar wood in Jerusalem, they had as much as they had that of sycamore trees. 28. And they brought horses for Solomon out of Egypt and out of all lands. So they were importing horses. And the reason they imported the horses was because the pagans used horses for battle, and so they knew more about horses than the Israelites did. The Israelites tended not to use horses for battle so much. They tended to fight on foot. 29. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, first and last, are they not written in the words of Nathan the prophet, and in the prophecy of Ahijah the Shilonite, and in the visions of Jeddo the seer concerning Jeroboam the son of Nebat? Those three prophets also wrote about Solomon, which means the Bible is saying it isn't just in this book. You can look in other places and learn about Solomon for verification and for more details. 30. And Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel 40 years. Isn't that interesting? His father ruled for 40 years, and he ruled for 40 years. And 40 means a time of testing in the wilderness. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Moses was in Midian for 40 years, and then he was in the wilderness with the Israelites for 40 years. It's always a time of testing. Unfortunately, Solomon failed the test. He turned his back on the Lord and started worshiping pagan gods. But when his father was ruling for 40 years, he didn't fail the test. He did slip and sin a few times, but he always repented and went back to God. Unfortunately, Solomon failed that 40-year test. For you and I, we need to keep the faith whenever things get bad or whenever we get tempted. We need to keep the faith and pass the test. We are in the wilderness until Jesus comes back or until we die. We're in the wilderness of testing. 31. And Solomon slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his stead. Now Rehoboam is going to be the fourth king of Israel. And that concludes Second Chronicles chapter 9.